This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Are you ready for heart-stopping, toe-tingling, coma-inducing levels of drama and romance? Okay, great. Well, you can find it all included with Prime Video. Check out Expat starring Nicole Kidman, The Idea of You starring Anne Hathaway, and the history-bending romanticy My Lady Jane, which will leave you speechless forever. Or till the end of the episode. Find your happy place. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Hi, everyone. This episode of Soap from the Box is sponsored by Podcorn. Who is that, you're asking? It's not a soap star. It's a marketplace that connects podcasters like me to sponsorship opportunities without the middleman. And we all love that. So whatever size podcast you have, you can collaborate with brands directly. It has been so easy. So if you too are looking for sponsorship, visit Podcorn now. You can find the link in my show notes. Hi, welcome to series two of the ultimate TV podcast, Soap from the Box. I'm Lee Salisbury and I directed all of the big soaps for over 10 years. EastEnders, Coronation Street, Emmerdale and Hollyoaks. And on this season of Soap from the Box, I'm also speaking to stars of Australia's two huge soaps, Neighbours and Home and Away. Remember, there are two episodes every single Sunday, so make sure you listen to the other one. For now, for Home and Away fans, I'm speaking to one of its biggest stars. My guest today was born in the Blue Mountains, 50 kilometres west of Sydney, Australia. He graduated from the prestigious Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts and secured a part very quickly in Home and Away, joining in October 2017 as the long, long, very lost grandson of original character Alf Stewart. He turned the Stewart family upside down. He was a bad boy at first. Cocky, competent and mischievous, but without influence, he's matured into one of the hugest popular characters. Please welcome Ryder Jackson himself, Lucas Radovich. Hi, mate. Hi there. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. It's amazing. There's obviously, as you will know, there's so many Home and Away fans in the UK. It's huge here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that was the best summary of my character that I've ever heard. So oh, I think that? I'm just going gonna, gonna to steal that. Yeah, I'll write, I'll write up for you if you want. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you were so basically. We're going to spend half the time talking about the show, half the time talking about you. But just from the the intro there, the Blue Mountains. I actually went to Australia years ago. What a gorgeous place! Oh, it's so beautiful. I think you don't actually appreciate it until you bring people up there. Because, like, when you live in a place, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess mountains, it's there. It's, oh, yeah, n- another hike or another, you know, yeah, another sail mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, no, it's, it's such a beautiful place. I love going back up there to see my parents. And not that I know where you were, but I, all I remember is we went to, I think it's Katoomba, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty close to there. Oh, are you? Oh, cool. Brilliant. And then also, uh, I said your first, it was kind of you landed home and away quite quickly, but I read that your first job was in something called Hen's Night, was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was, um, I got my first agent um, when I was working at a casting agency, actually, during my gap year between school and uni. And um, I auditioned for this film. It was a very, very low budget film um, and and got into it and yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a very interesting experience. It was kind of like a uh, bridesmaid slash hangover inspired film. Oh, right, okay. So, and I was like a wide eyed seventeen year old kid. So, it was, um, yeah, just yeah, the title, no. it's, just the title itself kind of makes you uh, shiver a little bit about the prospect of taking a part in it. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I'm pretty sure that my character actually got it on with the bride. And I was the, the the little brother of the best man or something. So, um, yeah, that was a very interesting experience. I don't, I, you know what? I don't have a copy of it. I'd love to see it one day. Oh, wow. And, and so you said you worked at a casting agents. That's really interesting. So you saw it because I always think when I do actor like workshops and stuff, I often make them sit on a casting panel and look at other people. It must be really interesting seeing the other side of it for you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely um, was very influenced uh, by casting, you know, in, in later in life. It was a great experience. And if I did anything else in my life, I think, you know, I could potentially go into casting. But um, yeah, I just got that through when I was 16. We have to do a work experience week in high school. And um, I applied to do it down in Sydney at this casting agency that does uh, commercials and um, did the week there and then got you know, um, quite friendly with everyone who worked there. And um, they were like, oh, we'd love for you to come back and, you know, do stuff during holiday breaks and whatever and just helping out as a casting assistant. And then I ended up doing that for like four years. Oh, brilliant. Um, Well, that's a great Did you? Because you must have seen kind of tricks of the trade of what not to do if you're coming for castings. Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was... It was biggest piece of advice then to an actor going to I mean I always say things like so I saw so many people would come up for an auditions and not bring say if the scene was them unwrapping a scarf from the neck like nobody would bring a scarf to unwrap for their neck and so many people wouldn't dress as the you know what they thought the character was going to be and stuff yeah 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 totally um or some people would <laughs> come like over prepared maybe yeah, um, yeah. But actually, the thing that I took out of it was because it was purely uh, commercial casting. So we'd see like 100 people in a day for the same role. Um, you, yeah. uh, The thing that I took out of it was that in those kind of situations, it was just a lottery. Like yeah. you, you, there are so many people involved with between like the actual, the director, the casting director, the client, that it's such a lottery to get one of those jobs. So um it, it don't take it to heart if you don't get it it would just kind of maybe go oh okay so i just don't have to stress about it because who knows if i'm going yeah it's not that rubbish yeah well i i always read i always remember a, a quote by judy dent as well which i kind of always say i'm like not condoning doing this but she always said you need to be remembered as well so apparently judy dent used to go to castings with a piece of chewing gum in her mouth and in the, huh. in, in the casting take the chewing gum out and stick it under the chair and she said people would always remember her as the girl that stuck the chewing gum under the chair, which <laughs> uh, the theory of that is quite good because everyone does blend into one. And if they, I always say to people, maybe not do the chewing gum, but always think of one interesting, really weird thing to say about yourself that people will hopefully remember you for. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a very, very good thing. Maybe I should try that for my, for my next edition after Home and Away. Yeah, and if they say, what are you doing? Just say, um, I'm sorry, I've learned from Dame Judy Dench here. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's, um, oh no, before we move on to Home and Away, there's another thing I want to ask, because your name is so interesting. I love names. So Radovic is a Serbian, from a Serbian descent. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well done. No, that was right. And your first name is kind of Norway, Sweden. So have you got a mixture of cultures in your family? Um, yeah. So my, um, my, my family is from all over, but uh, <laughs> it's a Serbian last name, but my grandfather was Croatian and right. my grandmother was Bosnian, but her heritage was Germanic and my mum is Polish. So there's a lot wow. of, um, a lot of, influence there um yeah so it's just kind of like an amalgamation of all those different cultures that's amazing and it means i don't know whether you know what it means right bitch. it means one who gave advice oh yeah so it's a wise one the wise one yeah and in biblical terms your first name means uh, luminous so basically you got the best star wars name because you are the luminous one who gave advice so <laughs> wow i could become a prophet i think yeah you could easily with that you've got it all <laughs> on your side so let's talk about home and away so you joined well the character joined after running away from boarding school he was a troubled kid with a misguided anger who just wanted to be loved Although mischievous, when he came to Summer Bay, his good, this is from a review, his good looks made him easy to give. I mean, I love that, just that it's that easy. (laughs) I'm not sure whether that's true in real life, whether if you've got good looks, you get away with anything, but in sober kind of works, doesn't it? Oh, I just look very innocent, so I think that I get away with anything that way. (laughs) What was it like joining? Because obviously you came in as the grandson, as we said, long lost. I mean, as as we know, soap is amazing for finding long lost, you know, sons and daughters and grandsons but to Al Stewart which is incredible because obviously the legend is Ray Meager who we all know him and love him so that must have been incredible joining to probably the biggest you know biggest character in the soap yeah 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 definitely um yeah no that it was actually quite incredible to be a part of the Stewart dynasty as it were um it certainly 
kind of gave me the agency to be able to go through um, the, the time that I've spent at home and away. I've done a lot of um, stories with the, you know, the young kids like in school and um, uh, at work environments. But then I always go back to that home base of the Stuart household. And, you know, I get to be a part of the, the family dynamic, which is always really cool to come back to because it's so different to working with um, a younger cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you get the best of both worlds. You get to work with, you know, the, the, the actors the who have been there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patriarchs and matriarchs and then go back into the school life. Um, and it's funny, like a few actors um, on the show are like, oh, man, I'm really jealous that you get to kind of like do both because, um, you know, it, it's, it's very rare that that happens. Yeah, well, you have to be one of the big families, don't you? Because it's not like everyone they investigate. But as Raven, was it nice? Is it nice, I suppose, joining, especially not, I suppose, just as an actor, but joy, as I know, because I directed the soaps over here for like 10 years. So I know how different continuing drama is. It must have been nice to have someone like Ray as well on hand, because obviously, as we know, it's much faster than anything else. It's, but it's, are you multi-camera on Home and Away in the studio? Yeah, we're three cameras. Yeah, so the same over here. So it's almost like things like just stepping into people's shadows and not look. So yeah. did you did you find that you had those, you know, patriots and patriots oh, to give to advice to you? 100%. I mean, Ray's fantastic for that. Um, I learned so much out about, just about the technical skill of an actor working on a set with three cameras that um, I probably wouldn't have had if I was working purely with with um newcomers yeah. like, like yeah. myself which you know they you do get other skills out of that but at the same time it's just fantastic to be able to work with someone who knows their stuff um i remember one time he um saved us doing a setup on a on a on a um scene because he didn't want to look one way otherwise it meant that <laughs> you knew it would have to pick up be another time. setup and I went, oh, interesting. That's how it works. Because, you know, he's <laughs> all about efficiency, you know, get, getting in, getting out, doing some great work in the middle. Yeah, and, totally. Um, that is definitely and, the older members of cars of every sober like that. It's like, come on, I'm not too, yeah. I'm not too right. Because all these new directors come in and want to make it look super flash. And it's like, no, we just want to get the work done. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess it's having that balance as well between the yeah. two. And I think that's really possible. But um, it's really great to learn those skills from those those kinds of people because it, I mean, it's appreciated. I'm sure as a director, you, you appreciate actors who, who, who are working with their craft. Yeah. Who, who their craft. Exactly. And I think mm-hmm. what's good is for you, especially because obviously it's one of your first jobs, as I always say, that there's obviously this, uh, especially in the UK, there's a bit of a, a people looking down their noses at soap, which is changing over the years, but it is that thing of once you work in soap as a director as well, you realize that once you can do soap, you can literally do anything. Cause single camera is a piece of, is a breeze after you've done multi-camera acting and directing yeah well it's funny you say that because i'm very interested to see how i will cope you know um working with a single camera will i just be saying they're going oh come on this is taking forever will, what's going you will, on you will when i went to single camera i was like you know they're like right we'll just take an hour's break as we relight you're like what yeah so, yeah, you'll yeah. find that. But then it, obviously it has its pros. But also what I kind of love um, when I was reading and researching you is that Alf was kind of afraid to build a relationship at first with Ryder just in case he kind of left like his uh, doors did. And I thought that's a great escape clause for the soap, isn't it, as well? If you if you didn't go down well, it's like, right, that's a good excuse to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, you'd be easily written out as soon as, as easily as you were written in. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, uh... Yeah, and then no. I will remember, luckily that didn't happen. Luckily that didn't happen. No, and you were fantastic in it. But your mum is obviously ruining it, and um, I'll just let the listeners know this. And you, this is quite a quite an amazing fact here that I was actually when I was young in 1991 in the Home and Away musical over here. There was, did you know there was a Home and Away musical? I did not know. Yes. And so the original Rue, played by Justin Clark, um, yeah. Rue, Viv, Carly, who was Sharon Hodgson, who was one of the original. Uh, like the foster kids of Pippa, and I think it was Steve Martin. Yeah, they where they toured the country doing the Home and Away musical. I can't find the soundtrack anywhere. Um, and yeah, Hi. so a, a youngster used to be in the musical Every Town. So I was in it in Tumbridge Wells, and I had to sit at the beginning on this big sofa and jump on this massive remote control, and then I got transported to Summer Bay. Oh so, yeah, 
<laughs> oh my god i want to see some footage of this this is i had no idea i'll have to send you some i've got my original like program and stuff it's quite amazing i remember it being quite good i think you know but yeah. <laughs> i'm surprised i haven't done it again because it's such a big show over here but yeah it was just funny. yeah well we always actually talk about that we always say th there are quite a few singers in the cast and we go oh wouldn't it be great to just do one episode where it's a musical i mean you know why not break that form and and do something fun like that because i reckon it's, it's entirely possible yeah but, well, um, over here, i don't know whether you have we have children in need and comic relief every year so children in need definitely every year all the soaps always do like eastenders has done a big musical uh kind of number on the square they always do kind of these massive big musical numbers so do you have any like big charity nights like that where you kind of get involved yes. in these things we do we have this uh charity in uh western australia called telethon and every year it's sponsored by channel seven it's on channel seven and um which is you know the network that home and away is on um and telethon is huge huge in western australia and obviously like you said i um i studied in uh, Whopper, um, which is in Western Australia. So yeah. I know Telephone very well. I actually, funnily enough, worked for Channel 7 and Telephone for the three years that I was there. Wow. Um, so it was crazy, you know, <laughs> getting home and away the following year and going to Telephone that year and being like, hey, remember me? I was backstage, now I'm on stage. <laughs> but um, so basically we just do a few performances there and um, we do, you know, basically like uh, it's like a you know, those games where you kind of, you win money for the, the oh, charity. Okay, fine, okay. Well, we need to persuade them there. We'll, we'll start a campaign to get you doing a music. I actually did one over here, which was probably the best one we did, which was we mixed the cast of Coronation Street and EastEnders together and we called it East Street. So we took some oh, of the EastEnders people to Corrie and Corrie to EastEnders and they, this special episode was written. It was amazing. So you had like the challenge of the barmaids and stuff. So they should do a Neighbours and Home and Away yeah. mass up, mash up for... Uh, but I was trying to find some musical from the musical and I couldn't, but I thought for the listeners I was going to quickly play this. I don't know whether you've heard this, which I found, which was probably the best cover of the, Austra of the theme song. I don't know whether you've heard this. Is that? Wow, oh, that's incredible. Who's singing? It's by a, a band called Groove House. So, any oh. listeners out there, I'm going to get in contact with them to make sure we can. I'm going to play the full version of this if we can. But, um, yeah, how cool is that? It's really good. Yeah. Wow. We, we should feature them. <laughs> yeah, you need to feature them. I'll, se I'll send you the link um, to the thing. But, yeah, it's really good because I was going to play the original version of the theme song from 1988, which, but it goes on for literally about 10 minutes, the original. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually missed that. I wish we did one of those, you know, intros every, uh, before every episode where it introduces all the characters. Like yeah. The I used to love those. Like I watched, we had um, a couple of neighbors guys on the podcast. So I was looking up the old neighbors um, titles as well. And they were brilliant because it was really yeah. like, well directed. It was all, they all linked into each other. And it's like, I kind of, and now they just want to get on with it, but let's get back to it. So he is six years younger than you, which must have been obviously quite strange as well, going back to school. Yeah, definitely. Especially, I, I hated school. <laughs> so, it was, <laughs> so it was like, so oh, it was, no. Yeah, no, I was, I was the nerdy drama kid. So yeah, I, that, it was quite funny having to go back into a school classroom and obviously all the extras were actually, you know, like 15, 16. So um, yeah, no, it was, it, was it was a definite experience going back to that to that era of my life but um I mean it's but, amazing as an actor because it means because you obviously look really young so it means you've got like a much longer longevity in the industry yeah well everyone keeps telling me it's a blessing <laughs> so yeah. uh but um yeah no it it was um it was an in interesting time kind of adjusting to that character because you know when you're auditioning you don't have much time to delve into the, who the character is you kind of do your best kind of audition and then you start the show but then that's when the real work begins obviously and you need to be able to create a character from scratch um and for me it was six years younger so it was sort of 
going back to, you know, what I thought I was six years ago, but also making it contemporary because, you know, a lot can change in, in terms of um, uh, school students between, you know, now and six years ago. So that was really interesting. And um, I think the thing that kept me, (laughs) kept me young um, was that I was working with two, um, two girls, um, Anna Cockrell and Olivia Diebel, who played um, Coco and Raffi on the show, and they were that age. So, you know, I, if, if I didn't know what something was, I could just ask them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that is weird, isn't it, going back? It's interesting, you say, like, thinking who you were six years ago, which is always quite hard if you ask yourself that question, because you think, and then you probably, you think it and probably are totally different. But, um, mm-hmm. so we do, so we do a little quiz to kind of go through a couple of the storylines. You're easy now, I think, these answers. Uh, where did Ryder first break into to start his thieving campaign? I've called it thieving campaign, because you basically went on the rampage <laughs> of it. But where did you yeah. first break where did you first break into? Oh, I know where I broke into, but I I also know what I stole. I oh, look at I this, stole, amazing. So, according to Alf, because I never actually filmed this scene. According to Alf, I stole two cans of drink from the surf club. Oh my god! I mean, really, that is bad boy and a half. I know bad boy behavior. Ripping it up. Um, so I mean, so you went. So you didn't. I was just going to say I brought up the surf club because of the iconic sets. What was your? Did you watch Home and Away before you joined? Was there like one set or one particular bit that you were like, oh my god, it's so. Ins-. I suppose. I suppose for me, like when I worked on EastEnders, going into Albert Square the first time was just mind blowing. Do you know what I mean? Was it kind of as mm. you expected? Oh, uh, I definitely think that um, uh, the first. Well, the first set that I stepped on was Palm Beach, was where we film. Wow. You know all the various yeah. scenes for Summer Bay, um, and that was my first. So that was my first day on set, and I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm here!" Like because <laughs> I think I'd only been to Palm Beach once when I was like seven years old, and I'd never returned. So you know, it was very fresh for me, and um, it's such a beautiful place. It's, I always get stunned by how beautiful it is every time that I go there, especially in the mornings when the sun's rising over oh, the water. Yeah, I mean, we, don't have, like, we don't have anywhere like that on our soaps. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, just like that, the lighthouse and um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's quite magnificent. So I think, yeah, that place was definitely the highlight when I first started. And for me, when I joined Soap, I think, and for listeners, because uh, I always try to give a bit behind the scenes, like I was shocked when you go into, like, so it's probably the same with you, the big, so on Emmerdale, for example, you go into the one big studio and it's literally set after set after set. And I I just remember standing there going, oh my God, that's so-and-so's lounge and that's that kitchen. And you're just, it's it's mad when you watch it that you get these atmospheres created in people's houses, but actually that, you know, in when you're filming, it's right opposite the other set. Yeah, I definitely um, have started noticing that uh, in other shows <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where yeah, I go, no, oh, I can do, totally yeah. tell that's a set. But um, but actually, it's interesting with Home and Away because the studio that we actually work in is quite small, so we can only fit about four or five sets oh, uh, oh, okay. per day um, there. And oh, so, so they change the sets as well? Yep, every single night. Oh um, we've got God, a night crew. Wow. There's the the pier diner uh, stays there um, con- consecutively, you know, all the time um, because that's the set that we work in the most, I would say. Um, but then the rest of them, the four other sets that are in the studio, they get um, packed down at nine pa- and put on a truck, and then new ones get put in every uh, every night and ready for the next morning. Um, so because you know some of those sets are actually quite big like the surf club and salt yeah. and um, yeah. the hospital school they they're really really big so they just need to be able to do that you know um so that's quite interesting i yeah, i didn't that's, I didn't that's hard that. work for that yeah in i suppose over here we just have i mean east end is this huge Emmerdale's just all constant there so one's the pub and then one's everything else so you'll suddenly have another team walking through as they're just about to go into the pub and you're yeah so uh yeah 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 your so that must be guys, your pop guys and get put to work and on home away. They, they keep them, they keep them busy on their toes. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> they really so, um, do. Right, you just mentioned this, but Ryder's big love, who he met in his first episode, Coco, had to hide her feelings from him. But why? Oh, because ah, <laughs> oh. it's basically oh, so long ago. 
It's basically um, the big, what well, the big story, the kind of, uh, it was for someone else basically who declared, I'll just, it was a love triangle that best friend Rafi also obviously liked Ryder as well. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, no, no, it was, it was, but oh, I'm pretty, wasn't it? I think Rafi was the one who, um, oh no, you're right. Oh, yes. Oh my God, this is so I think Rafi told Coco that she liked you as we knew that Coco liked you, but then Coco couldn't tell you. Yes, that's right. Yeah, as yeah, all yeah, great yeah. love, as, all, as, all, as we know in personal life from all great love triangles that we've been, you know, fought over with. Um, <laughs> yeah, like love said, triangles I'm, always end well, don't they? <laughs> they always end well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, like you said, because they were younger as well, it must be quite weird playing, as, I mean, like, as an actor, it's an actor, but I suppose, again, putting yourself back six years is quite... It's quite a big, yeah. big ask, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to have like your first kiss again and to, you know, um, it's, yeah. yeah. So weird. It, was, that is weird. it is weird, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, there were actors who were my age who, who were playing older than they were um, on the show and they were doing like all these heated sex scenes and it was quite hot and steamy and I was doing like you know that Being first about your first kiss yeah <laughs> yeah so that was that was interesting but it was still oh it was a lot of fun you know like um kind of revisiting that that time in my life <laughs> yeah i don't think anyone wants to revisit their first kiss to be yeah honest. i know <laughs> i know and it was just as awkward. <laughs> just as awkward yeah at least it, at least you didn't need to act the awkwardness no, yeah yeah <laughs> um and, and talking about age i mean as we all know the best i always think when you look back at programs like friend it's hilarious that they're playing i watched an episode not long ago where they talked about their age you're like, what you're obviously 45 <laughs> yeah. hilarious yeah. they're playing like these 20 somethings but um okay so who did Ryder I mean should, again this is just a normal day in the life of a soap who did Ryder run over after a big argument with Quinn um Rue yes who was obviously yeah. his uh aunt aunt his aunt, aunt. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes aunt yeah so um and again obviously there was an original Rue she's moved on is it um is it hard though playing is it hard playing a bad boy or is it much more fun because i always think the extremes of characters are quite fun i think bad boys have to change because otherwise it becomes really boring but is it quite is it almost quite great going to work doing things that you kind of sometimes want to do in real life not run people over but get annoyed with people and at the end of the day it's all fine yeah well i i think when Ryder first came on to into summer bay i think he was more misguided than a a bad boy you know i think he didn't have like a particularly bad upbringing to um to kind of um to uh, it, i think it was just more the fact that he um had some loved yeah wanted to be loved yeah he wanted to be loved yeah that's right and um and so yeah no i it was fun i think he's more of a larrikin than a bad boy um and it kind of that's that kind of the kind of humor that he evolved with um, has has stuck with you know my character now. You know? It's quite funny that all of these things kind of happen consecutively, like you know, um, going into into the surf club and stealing stuff and running Rue over. And I think there are a few other things which kind of happened while I first started on the show, like in the first forty. Oh, sorry, in the first um, six months, but. Um, but then he kind of just kind of grounded himself and was able to just kind of let that pass go. And then, but the kind of larrikin-esque um, yeah, yeah. character kind of stayed with him. And luckily other characters forgive people as well. Because imagine if you run your aunt over purposefully in real life. I know my aunt would find it very hard to forgive me. I know. Well, I guess that's another soap thing. Everyone forgives each other very easily. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, we used to, I used to, when I was directing, have these conversations with actors because I used to always make people aware because it's very easy. And this is not at all slating the writers because they look after so many characters. But when you're in a class of 70, it's very easy, like 20 years into the soap, you could actually be stood having a pint with someone who, you know, like originally murdered your, you know, murdered <laughs> your brother or something. And you're just, you just, they totally forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, that's the fun of it too. You can kind of get away with that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. And so which storyline, this is a really interesting one, which storyline was a first uh, that you were involved in for Home and Away? Um, that would have been the kiss with Ty. Yes, yeah, the first same-sex kiss, which when I found it amazing, actually, apparently they cut nine years before that, they cut out a kiss with two of the girls. Um, yeah. 
which obviously now seems mad this day and age, but that must have been um, kind of, well, it's a hugely important moment for Home and Away to breach, to go over that kind of line, but that must have been, and what I love about that story is done very differently. So basically, I'm sure fans will know, but people who haven't watched, uh, Ty basically uh, kind of thought the feelings were different between you both and thought that you kind of felt the same for him, which obviously Ryder didn't. Um, and so they kissed and then you were very supportive of him. So a kind of really interesting angle to do it from as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, the relationship that Ty and Ryder had was a great one. Um, it, it kind of, it, it preached acceptance without having to preach it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, it was just, I think Ryder's response was fantastic. Um, it's probably actually the best written story that I've had on the show. It was the most thought out um and the most um the, i think the most drafts that we had for the for the actual scripts that we were using as well um and that it just made such a difference with the storytelling as well because it's a very sensitive topic yeah. especially in soap especially in australia you know um uh, i think um australian um television is quite conservative um and for a show to be able to do that was 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 really good um i my only thing is i think you know, I wish that Ty stayed for a bit longer because I think um, it would have been great there, yeah. to develop that character and to have him on the show and to be able to have him, you know, find love um, properly. Um, but, you know, I guess it's a it's a good step in the right direction. Um, and I'd love to see it again, happen yeah, again. Yeah, it's a very, because you know. um, looking back, it's a very, uh, and I don't think many people have done that storyline. It's a very a commonplace thing I think that when you're younger and you're not sure about things that you can develop feelings to someone as well that is and you, you might not be gay but it's um yeah it's a really interesting way to play and what's it so what time does Home Away go out in Australia? Um seven. Oh so it's quite late I was gonna say because here it's more tea time but yeah I suppose it is still quite um I mean I suppose here it was years ago in Brookside that the first lesbian kiss happened but I suppose it is a really yeah. move for Australia to be able to do things like that. Yeah, but I guess you know at the time the time um, when when it's shot. I mean, like you know, there there are heterosexual ki- kisses on the show, and it's fine. So you know, it's um, I think it's I think it's a it, as I said, it was a great step in the right direction. But I definitely think there could be more. Yeah, um, totally. Oh yeah, I think I think also should be representing. It's that yeah, it's um, but and then that I have to talk about because then I watched and I am all over this song now. I've added it to my iTunes. Uh, you were then in a music video where you played a kind of similar, not a similar story, but it was a very, it's a great video. So for anyone, it's called, it's by Zoomerx and it's called Secret Lover. What, a, it's an absolute tune. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, you did that last year and it's a brilliant video. Like really, because apparently I read you went to the directors and kind of scripted it with her. Yeah. So the director of the music video, um, we've done two before um, that Zoomerx video and you know, we kind of hit it off on the first one. She found me through a casting right, um, site. And so we, it was a very random uh, meeting. But as soon as we got to know each other, we were like, oh, you're my kind of person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, and yeah, so she kind of keeps me in the loop with things that she's doing. And she messaged me saying, hey, I've got this um, idea for a music video. Do you want to jump in on it? And I said, yeah, it sounds great. And we literally wrote that music video over a bottle of wine um, in like, you know, o- over a night. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. how all the best things are written. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah. And I mean, she's a dream to work with. I love working with and her. And her name is Maddie King, just to big her yeah, up. Yeah, Maddie King. Yeah. Yes. And for um, people, again, listen, you can watch it on YouTube, whatever, but it's basically four of you, four friends, two males, two females, kind of boyfriend and girlfriends go away. And obviously there's this kind of secret love between the guys and it keeps cutting back to that kind of club scene, which is great. You on your own at first, yeah. other people in it. Yeah, it's just one of those great, it's just really, and it's also a brilliant tune as well. It's a really, really. Um, it is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's big over here. I'm like determined now to get that big over here. So I'm not sure <laughs> I'd heard this. Yeah. Well, they've only been around for a little while um, and I saw them live a few months ago, actually, and they were fantastic. Um, yeah. And Courtney, Courtney Miller was in it as well, who plays Bella. Um, she ah, played okay. Oh, yes, of course. We were like this morning, I watched it with my husband and we were like, I recognise her as well. That's why we recognised her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, honestly, I that was such a dream to shoot. We shot 
all of that out this one property um, out near Canberra, which is, you know, kind of a little bit in the country. And um, that, yeah, it was so much fun. We, we just get along so well together, all of us. It was, yeah, it was kind of nice as well to have that. Um, I think we shot it over three days. Um, but I find that, you know, when I go off and I do creative projects, which I'm really passionate about, I come back to the work that I'm doing at Home and Away and I feel um, invigorated and inspired. Yeah, I think you always yeah. do. I think the thing when you're on a long running show over here, so it's become much better at letting actors do other stuff because I think you need that. Um, you need to go off and do other little bits of work just to keep you invigorated at work, isn't it? Because I think yeah. anyone that's an actor or anyone that's creative, we want to constantly be doing other stuff. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, otherwise you just don't evolve. So it's um, and I, I know like jo- Georgie Parker who plays Rue, she loves to do a play a year, and that's her way of being able to express um and to to do something different and come back and she it she just loves it and you know and I've never met somebody an actor more dedicated than than Georgie and she um she I think amazing and also I read you recorded that the day after Mardi Gras in Australia (laughs) yeah yeah um that's that's great kind of that was really kind of uh, (laughs) I don't know. We didn't mean to, for that to happen, but it did. So that was, um, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, it's Mardi Gras in Sydney is so, so, so big. Um, oh, so Mardi Gras in Sydney. Did you all kind of go and then film the next day? Uh, no, no, we're all very good. We're all very good wow. because we have like a six, seven hour drive to the location the next morning. So we... Um, <laughs> yeah we we didn't we didn't go out too hard but um still was able to go to the parade i think and and have a bit of fun but yeah <laughs> yeah you, um, that was i was gonna say yeah because you all look fresh face it didn't look like you're being kind of mardi gras in the video no that's just the that's just the uh post-production <laughs> <laughs> um so what's coming up for Ryder then? Well, we do have a romance that's coming up on the horizon for Ryder. Um, hopefully one that isn't as, um, that doesn't end as badly as the one that he had with Jade. Right, okay. Kind of broke his heart and um, into a million pieces. But um, but yeah, so we're filming that at the moment, which has been, which has been great. So this must connect to what my mum's saying. I'm waiting. To, this is from my mum. He loves it anyway. I'm waiting to see if he goes out with a new girl who's coming to their class at school. So I'm guessing that might be part of the same story over here. I think, well, I think we're kind of up to date with you guys over in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not It's not at school. It's um, at Salt. We've, we've started working together. Ah, okay, um, right, okay. So maybe Yeah, we'll- yeah, yeah. And I've, I've hated every, well, writers hated every moment of um, of Chloe uh, working with him um, but you know that's how every romance kind of starts in in soap as well um, you know you start off hating each other but everyone knows that you're going to get in <laughs> you're going to get involved at the end of the day yeah and that's not just say that's real life so one of my guests on this Glynis Barber you're way too young probably to remember this but there's a cop show from the, the 80s and 90s called Make Dempsey and Make Peace have you ever heard of that no, no. Okay, well, it was huge. Uh, and basically, they uh, they played kind of this, he's American, she's English. They uh, basically fell in love in the show. On the first season they made, that was watched by like 24 million people here, They she absolutely hated him in real life. It wouldn't even fly with him on publicity tours. By the second season, the end of the second season in real life, they're falling in love and they're still married. Oh, really? Oh, my God. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, can you imagine? So that uh, does actually happen in real life. They're living proof of it. Yeah, wow. So, um, yeah. But, well, yeah, so Ryder's obviously destined just always to have, I mean, so he's obviously had the three-way, not the three-way relationship, but, you know, like the love triangle, um, and then Kiss by Boy. So it's like he's, he's obviously, he's got, he's always going to be, bump, it's always going to be like a bit like a roller coaster for him, love. Yeah, yeah. No matter how much experience Ryder gets, I think he's still kind of the deer in headlights situation, which, you know, I think makes him a very lovable character. Yeah, totally. And probably in real life, I think people that are like literally looking for love because they haven't had it in early life, it's always really hard to trust people. And so it's always very uh, kind of a rocky road, I think, for people in real life like that in a way. Yeah, well, actually, I think that Ryder, um, he he trusts too much sometimes. Um, and I think that's, uh, again, one of the like lovable aspects of his character where, you know, he's always willing to help other people out and is always willing to, to sacrifice himself for others. And 
um, I think that kind of gets him into as much trouble as it does, um, you know, him trying to actually help people. Um, but, you know, I think with this relationship, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of develops because, um, like you said, there's been a love triangle and there's been a, there's a moment with Jade where it was, you know, it kind of devastated Jade him. Break his heart, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be nice to, I mean, it has been good to be in like in a stable sort of relationship uh, because that's just another interesting um, acting challenge that yes, comes with yeah. it as well. Yeah, I think in soap, I think it's one of the hardest, uh, and, get, and again, another actress who's been on this podcast, Sammy Winwood, who's a good friend, she was in Emmerdale and she, for me, we always played the normal, she was, a, she she had big stories, but she was the most kind of normal person. I always say it's actually a real challenge to play normal. It's actually uh, kind of the hardest thing, because it's like, I always say to people, if you get asked to walk on television, you suddenly start worrying about everything about your body. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. Where's my but, hand go? What do my legs do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I that's um actually one of the most fun parts of the job is, and the ones that I, I think I cherish the most is um working with the the core family group in, with the Stuarts um, in those like situations where you're just having dinner or yeah. you're just sitting around watching TV or you're just and actually trying to make them interesting and not just, um, you know, you're going through the motions. And it's actually quite difficult to make it interesting. But when you do, it's actually really great to watch because, I mean, that's what Home and Away is all about. It's about bringing people in who, you know, want to watch something at 7 p.m. and feel like they're included within these lives of these yeah, people. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, I think it started as a kitchen sink drama, basically, like Corey years ago, 60 years ago, it started in the UK, and it was about nothing, really, and that's why Gogglebox is huge over here. I don't know if you have the same show where basically you're watching. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously it's that kind of thing, so it was watching people not do much, but it's. Mm. You know, I think it, it, if you can do that really well, writers... Um, a guy from Hollyoaks we were talking the other day how he love he wants more of that in soap and not the big crashes and stuff because actually writing can be really clever if you've got a big six page scene just like at a dinner table. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's all in the relationship and how yeah. the dynamics. Yeah, yeah, they kind of influence that. And I, actually, I think that I've got a lot. I've a lot of messages recently from fans saying how much they appreciated watching the show through um, COVID and you know through the worst of the. Um, the lockdowns and the isolations last year. And I think that's just very evident of like the impact that the show has where, you know, it, people do just enjoy watching people kind of get on with their lives. And, and it's, and, I think, it, and it's a comfort blanket as well. It's kind of, yeah, like, it's what people have been used to. And it's like, it's almost like the level of sanity in the world when you're going through something really weird, the, the home and away is still on. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I can still go back to those characters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Moving on to you, uh, so I didn't realise that um, you, in 2015, you co-founded Your Mouth Collective, which is, well, tell us what that is. Oh, yeah, so YMC was a company that me and um, two graduates of WAPA created to um, put on. Is it still, is it still yeah. going on or is it finished? Well, uh, the plan is to one day kind of reconvene, but oh, one, okay. of, one of us, one um, once we finished, um, you know, drama school and kind of we had a few years outside of um, drama school kind of, you know, met, creating stuff together. But one lives in Brisbane and the other one went on to do her master's at Central School for Speech and Drama. So we um, so she moved to London and um, we kind of had a few chats here and there of reconvening. But, yeah, it was just a way for us to kind of express what we wanted to do at the time where um, we kind of we created theatre based on movement and based on okay. magic realism. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, as I said, I'd love to kind of revisit that one day. And what's your big dream then? What's the big, I mean, obviously you're staying put in home and away at the moment, which is great because I always think younger actors, my God, safe on the best place to be. You get to play so many different storylines in such a short amount of time. But what's the kind of, do you, is it stage you want to do more of? Is there kind of like thing, is there certain things that you would love to do more of in the future? Yeah, I think um, stage is definitely on the horizon. I'd love to do something on, you know, in theatre, um, theatre-based stuff. But um, I think, as well, as you said, right now, it, everything's quite fantastic, you know, working on the show and, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I definitely think that I'd love to go into writing and producing and directing and kind of do it all. I, 
you know, some of my biggest um, heroes in the industry are people like Joel Edgerton and he's an Australian who, who has kind of um, made his market over in um, uh, America. He started, started as a, as an actor and then now he's been producing and directing and writing and starring in all of his own stuff in Australia and also abroad. And I think that's really cool. And I, I basically, he just employs all of his friends to be yeah, around. How brilliant. How brilliant. Like that is just the dream. Be able to I just think work. A lot of, I, think, I think a lot of actors want to do that side of it, you know, even though it's putting people like me out of work, but it's fine because it is yeah. like you get on set and you want to start, you do learn the craft. You do. I think it's a, uh, yeah, you want to start being more in control. And I suppose as a director, that's why you choose the different gigs as you move up because you want to be more in control because it's uh, it's it's like that, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, even uh, yeah. even the Friends cast, so one of them ended up directing Friends, didn't they? I think David Schwimmer ended up quite... I always think it might be quite... It must be quite weird for the rest of the people on set when one of the cast is also the director. I know, I know. I, I do think about that a lot when, you know, the, the main character of a TV show, which happens quite a lot in America kind of becomes an executive producer or they yeah. become a director. And like you're yeah, giving wow. yourself notes, like you were really bad in that. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> yeah, that, it must, but honestly, it must, that's the one sticking point, I think, because directing some really good friends directors as well, you know, sometimes it takes another voice just to go, oh, it just wasn't quite there. Do you know what I mean? Whether you would do that to yourself, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I definitely believe in having another voice, being able to bounce ideas off. I, I think sometimes you can have too much creative control when you're working on a project. And I, I think I, um, yeah, I, I would always love to have someone there to be able to, whether it's a, a coach or whether it's a, like an assistant director. Yeah, who I being able to give you another a viewpoint in a way. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, as I, when I was working with um, Maddie King on um, the music videos, we've been talking about creating projects like short films and even feature films and we've been doing some writing together and she's someone who I would see as um, a fantastic person to be able to bounce those ideas off. So if I was acting in a scene, she was she would be able to tell me, you know, the truth about the scene. Yeah, and not yeah, just, without uh, you oh, going, I'm running this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, we are going to end with, I thought, right, we need to end in a fun way. So, I mean, I've come up with this again. It's called Home and Away, basically. So it's the most popular things in Oz and the UK, and it's whether you can get them. You were probably going, I didn't know half of them. So, okay. so Home and Away for you. So the most, the, the number one traditional food of Australia, what do you think that is? A dish. Uh, <laughs> Apparently it's on every pub menu in Australia. The meat pie? Is it the meat? I've got chicken parmesan. Is it parmesan? Oh, the parmy. Chicken parmy. Chicken parmy. Yeah. Is yeah. yeah. What is that? What's that? Is that a pie? Oh, chicken parmy. Oh, I could <laughs> do a whole show on chicken parmies. Um, it's basically just a uh, chicken schnitzel. That's um, oh, man, well, man, you've like already told me. Tomato sauce on top. That's like a fresh tomato sauce, and then cheese, and then oh, you grill it. Wow. And then it's usually on like a bed of 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 chips, you know. Amazing. Um, okay. Well, we, God, we don't. Okay, I'm going to bring that over here. I'm going to call it the <laughs> chicken palmy and make like, a fortune. And what do you think? This is terrible. What the number one of the UK is? I don't know whether you'd know. Can you have a guess? Uh, is it something? Is it something like blood pudding or? Oh no! Well, you got half of it right. It's not. It's Yorkshire pudding. Have you heard of Yorkshire pudding? Oh, I love Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, which I like. I do love them, but I can't believe that's our number one food. It's quite disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is just flour and water. It's just flour. So. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. God. Okay, so the number one sport in Australia. Um, NRL. No, it's actually swimming. Oh, what? Yeah, and I looked up I looked up like four times. On, I mean, it is the internet, but still, it came up on four different sites. Swimming no followed by cricket. Well, there you go. I guess everyone kind of learns to swim, so I because guess that's... Yeah, there's everyone's in the water. But yeah, I didn't... Oh, that was, and then the UK one's quite easy. Oh, it's cricket. No, no, not... No, football. Oh, football. Oh, yeah, I'm going really well with this quiz, as you can tell. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. I honestly didn't know the answer. I thought I would. I would have got football, actually, but I wouldn't have got yeah. something or Yorkshire bloody pudding. Um, so the longest, this you'll never get, but I, this is more kind of facts for the viewers as well, but longest running number one single in Australia. Would you know what that was? 
Oh, <laughs> really um, kind of. I'll give you a clue. It's like four people in the band: two women, two men. Um, is it a, it's an Australian song? Um, are they Australian? Oh, no, they're not Australian. They're from Sweden. Oh, aren't they? oh, they're oh okay. Well, that kind of gave it a little bit away. <laughs> okay. <yeah>. Um, <laughs> um, was it just? Oh, I'm just going to say, Mamma Mia. No, uh, Fernando by ABBA. Fernando, damn it. Double <laughs> well, A side actually was Hey Hey Helen, which I've never heard. 12 weeks at number one. We've got again the one of the worst songs ever as our longest running number one single. Do you know what it is? <laughs> no, go no. for it. Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Oh, look, I don't even know that song. No, so it's from the Robin Hood movie uh, with Kevin Costner. Oh, I, again, seen that. <laughs> it's the worst song. And it was at number one for 16 weeks in the UK. Oh, my God. And <laughs> nothing's beaten it. That is crazy. Nothing's beaten it. Nothing probably ever will. So Brian Adams is going to go down to history with that bloody song. And then um, <laughs> you should get this one. Number one, final one, number one tourist attraction in Australia. Um, oh, the Sydney Hub Bridge. It's, that was second. It's actually, I suppose, it, is it a, the Great Ocean Road? Really? Yeah, it's the biggest attraction. Again, I looked up at four because I instantly thought the Sydney Harbour Bridge and it was the Great Ocean Road. Again, wow. I'm learning today. a lot in this. Yeah, see, how much have you learned? You're coming away with your Star Wars <laughs> name uh, yeah. and, and this quiz that you can use in the pub when, when pubs must open before they are. So, and again, the UK one's terrible. What do you think the number one attraction is in the UK? Um, uh, I, should I say... Um, is Stonehenge too obvious? Yeah, no, that's way off, yeah. No, that's so not obvious. That's actually, not so, it's a good one, but it's actually the Tower of London. Oh, right, right, So right. Australia basically has this gorgeous, scenic view of the beach, and we have a tower that people used to get murdered in. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Eating your yeah, pudding, right. surrounded by footballers, listening to Brian Adams. What a terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible publicity campaign for UK. Well, listen, Luke, well we could be listening to Fernando on the Great Ocean Road. Yeah, so. ex- yeah, exactly. And going for a swim and then ending yeah. with a chicken palmy. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for a swim on the Great Ocean Road, though. There are a lot of sharks in South Australia. Oh, really? Oh, OK. Well, you definitely wouldn't go for a swim anywhere here. You'd be in, your <laughs> in the Tower of London listening to Brian Adams. I know where I want to be. So, um, listen, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been really fun. And I know everyone in the UK loves having away, loves your character. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to Lucas for being a guest on the podcast. I don't know about you, I just want to be on the beach in Summer Bay now. Since recording that, we've swapped quite a lot of music tips, actually. We've got the same taste, and I will share some of those songs with you. Lucas has done a few music videos, every single one of them attached to a brilliant song. So follow us at Soap From The Box on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, there are two episodes Every single Sunday, this series on Soap for the Box. So remember to listen to the other one with Emmerdale's Louisa Klein as soon as you finish this. Thanks to David Stevens and the Bothy, as usual, for their edit and technical wizardry, and to Ian McCallum for his press help. Have a great week and see you next week. Soap for the Box.